Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we shout out... Nope. Yay, shout him out! Shout out. I had my thumb over that part of the thing I wrote down. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what? I could have, with context clues, just figured out what I was going to say, but I didn't. I was just reading without thinking. Okay. (laughs) I know this is all going to stay in the show, goddamn you, Jeff. Yep. Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we shout our questionable expertise into the yawning void of the internet. I'm Matt Heron. Uh, I'm the Mononymous Jeff. I'm Louisa Heron. We did a great job, everyone. Yeah, no fuck-ups at all in that intro. We can all be sure of that. I definitely did not include any of the mess-ups in that introduction. Jeff, if you continue to make the joke of the Mononymous Jeff, we're gonna start thinking you sincerely want to just be called Jeff without (laughs) any other things. (laughs) Uh, No, I just waffle back and forth on whether I should be saying my last name on a podcast where I uh, also, like, make dick jokes. Mm -hmm. And call for the president to be murdered. (laughs) Yeah. I did, the other day I was thinking about, you know, there's all this stuff about, well, now that Democrats are in charge of stuff, the, the way to push them left is to primary them from the left, and so progressive candidates need to run for office, and I was like, maybe I actually should consider running for some kind of small local office, and then I was like, mm-hmm. I did on the podcast say that Jeff and I should go and murder the president <laughs> one time, as a joke, as yeah. a joke, it's a parody but, that we did in Minecraft. We've got, yeah. we've got, I'll call it interest insurance, which is no one's going to be interested enough in destroying your local campaign to listen to 200 episodes of a podcast, so yeah, they'll never find how, it. This is how people who have definitely done a murder before think that they can get away with being a senator, because it starts slow, <laughs> and then they get to a good political career, and then they're like, oh yeah, I did do that thing, whoops. Here's the thing. I'm not particularly easy to Google. Like, you get a lot of people before you get Jeff Kowalski, uh, professor of physics and astronomy uh, at the Mm -hmm. University of Hawaii. Is that you? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, man, Jeff, we have so much to talk about now. That one's me. Don't keep looking after you find that one. Okay, good. Yep. Have any of your <laughs> students ever found your podcast? Uh, I don't think so. That's good. Mm. My students at the start... University of Hawaii? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Your astronomy you should, students. You should start advertising it on the quad so that m- more students listen. <sighs> write it on a hacky sack. <laughs> Just write half the net <laughs> on a hacky sack. <laughs> Kids love Aggie sex. <laughs> Is that still what people do in a quad? I don't know what people do in quads these days. Do they Fortnite not. dance on each other? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, God, how old anyone... are college students right now? Uh-oh, don't figure uh, that out. 18 to 21 still. Born <laughs> they in... Stay, they stay the same <laughs> age, but we keep getting older. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just thinking about how uh, some of them were born in the year 2001 or 2002. Yeah. I Louisa, don't have some- to think about that. Mm, go on. Something you said is really <laughs> bumming me out, which is the idea that somebody somewhere has practiced a Fortnite dance in real life. Oh, absolutely they have in front of their I guys, know, so they do it right. and that's yeah. so depressing. <laughs> oh, God. When you're a kid... Only one thing is important to you at a time, and that thing might be four hours of Fortnite dancing in front of your mirror, so that when you go to school, you can do it okay. Oh, man. (laughs) 
I remember when I was a kid sitting down, coming home from school, sitting down on the steps down into our den and thinking, well, I don't know. I don't have anything to do tonight. Mm-hmm. So I guess I will do X. Like, I don't know. Oh my God. Try to you get were just it. doing ecstasy alone? <laughs> yeah. Flipping <laughs> the lights on and off really fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but I'd be like, I guess I'll try to learn how to carve wood or, mm-hmm. you know, pr- probably more likely play Final Fantasy 2 for the seventh time or whatever the thing was. But like the idea of being like, not I'm putting off doing something I do need to do, but I genuinely don't have anything to do is such a wild, I can't even put myself into the mental space of what that would be like. Yeah. I feel like the only people who are happy in the world, um, they live in that mindset because they forget about the things they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> like, oh, I have to fill out all that paperwork for the DMV or something. But they just mm-hmm. forget about it and they're like, man, I'm having a great weekend. And then Monday they're like, oh shit, the DMV. <laughs> like they've just <laughs> forgotten their obligations. Yeah, I mean, this feeds into my overall belief that stupid people are happier and thus they are the ones who are correct and smart people are actually <laughs> the ones that are wrong. Yeah, I'll now, go along with that. I absolutely forget all of my responsibilities all weekend <laughs> and it has not made me happy. That's because your well, base state be- is, I'm worried and there is something I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Because it's always believe- true. <laughs> Right. If you believe that you've forgotten something all the time, mm-hmm. then it doesn't help that you forget things. I see. Yeah. You have to, you, you're you're halfway there though, Jeff. That's the good news. All you have to do is convince yourself that you haven't forgotten anything, and then you'll be happy all the time until you're in jail. Uh, but I've forgotten so many things. I've forgotten more things than I've ever known. Mm-hmm. That's true enlightenment, I think. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've achieved nirvana. It's just I'm a like nobody knows that true inner peace is just uh, shambling, constantly vibrating anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think it's weird that like the concept of nirvana is so tied to the Buddhist belief that you shouldn't want or possess anything. Mm-hmm. So, like when you think about nirvana and how great it would be, the idea of nirvana being great is. You need to buy into the base premise that your definition of a great existence is one in which you want and have nothing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, but also, like, I can absolutely relate to the part that the true highest form of existence is finally getting to die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you die a lot in that worldview, though. Right, but when you achieve Nirvana, you get to, like, truly, finally die for the last time. Yeah, you time. get to stop, you get to yeah. stop living, also. <laughs> the the last time, the final death. Oh, the God. leap home. <laughs> <laughs> First we Is have that to talk- about karma? <laughs> probably, right? Yes. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, it probably when really it- was. <laughs> Every time he jumped into the 60s, it was the land of hungry ghosts. Can we move on? <laughs> How the hell have they not done a, a Quantum Leap revival yet? I know, yeah. that's so wild. It is. They need to do it with some kind of, like, young, sexy teen boy. <laughs> no, I don't mean like, I don't mean a reboot, I mean, like, Scott Bakula's still hopping around. Dean no, 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 no. This is what I'm saying. They need to give it the full Archie treatment and have it be... <laughs> Young, sexy teens doing sexy things, and then, like, 15 episodes in, he runs into Scott Bakula, also still leaping, and you find out it's the same continuity, and... (laughs) 
and Scott Bakula is like, you don't understand. This is an eternal torture that we have earned for our sins. Yeah, and then it turns out it's an episode of The Twilight Zone. It's not a new show at all. Oh, man. <laughs> Rod Serling Bus- and Jordan Peele come out, and they're like, ah, gotcha. <laughs> they're classic catchphrase on The Twilight Zone. <laughs> Just like they do at the, every, the end of every episode of The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Oh, man. No, Matt, I wanted to say earlier, a reboot, a sexy reboot of Quantum Leap sounds a little too much like the sexy reboot of MacGyver, which they did do, which fucking yeah. stunk. People liked it! <laughs> None of us ever watched it. We can't comment. Yeah, I didn't great. watch it, but people, like, it got good reviews, it got renewed, like... You're I saying think- that, but I only read bad reviews. And that bland, forgettable kid who's the new MacGyver, who cares? Who cares about that Also, kid? I'm pretty sure the original MacGyver was supposed to be a sexy MacGyver also. <laughs> yeah, That's I know true. he was, but he was just also, like a sexy dweeb. <laughs> also, MacGyver is a terrible premise for a show, and the only reason it was ever popular is because there were only six channels. <laughs> That's true. What was his job supposed to be? I actually I do don't not know. know. Hmm. The literally the only thing about him that that was relevant to the show was that he was good at making machines. He was just Donatello, but not a turtle. Yeah, uh, agreed. <laughs> uh, doesn't make any sense. When when I just I'm I'm all on board for sexy young Quantum Leap. We just have mm-hmm. to do it before Dean Stockwell dies because he's 84 years old and he's gonna mm-hmm. kick it soon. And he's only getting sexier. <laughs> uh, well, that's I think that's true about Scott Bakula. I think he's aged more handsomely uh, into like a more handsome visage than he was back then. Yeah, he's, he's got fine. kind of a craggy face going on these days, which isn't bad. I'm not saying that like, but he's definitely more of like a old man handsome than a, like, mm, I want to hit that kind of handsome. Is he, our, is he yeah. our craggiest Enterprise captain? Probably. Oh, well, yes. Maybe. Mm, mm. Pike is kind of craggy, but, like, in a cool way. Because yeah. <laughs> he's Captain well, Burns? Does... <laughs> no! The, does... the pre-Burn version. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, I was going to say, that's James... weird to say he's craggy from his third degree Burns. <laughs> does Edward James almost count as an Enterprise captain? Oh Absolutely not. He was the captain of the battle Star Galactica, not the Starship Enterprise. Oh, it's the same thing, you know it. (laughs) That would, that's, I would love if a Star Trek started with the entire Federation getting exploded except for the Enterprise, but that's just not what we got. I mean, that's kind of what happened in the Star Trek movies, the the uh, Chris Pine ones. That's kind of what they wanted to do with Voyager, it really, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, ish. So. They were just like, you're off in the uh, Zeta Quadrant doing nothing. Uh, yeah, you'll I'm never su- get home. I'm surprised they didn't go into it more in the Star Trek movies that, like, until much later in the timeline, the foundation of the Enterprise- oh, not the Enterprise, the Federation was on Vulcan. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just like, oh no, all the Vulcans are homeless. It's like somebody attacked the capital of the Federation and blew true? it up. I don't know enough. Here's my problem. Uh, San Francisco, I know that part. The Academy. Well, now it's in San Francisco, but I mean, I, I don't know. Part of this is because the show was made for humans by humans. And so, of course, <laughs> now it, the seat of the Federation is on Earth. But at one point, the seat of the Federation was on Vulcan, because that's like how humans got invited into the Federation in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, but um, not at the time of the movie, because they already had the. Not at the time of the movie where Vulcan got exploded, because the Academy was already established by then. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Okay. So why is... Wait. Did Starfleet not exist until humans made it? I don't know. Yeah. I think Starfleet is the human one, right? Like, started by humans. But it's it's not. It's an everyone one. It is now, but I think it was started by humans. I don't remember my Mm. Star Trek encyclopedia well enough to remember how this all comes together. Huh. Um... Starfleet is headquartered on Earth. The yes, United Federation of Planets that. is not. Okay. Okay. Is that so in it's floating cool. neutral territory? Some I, I mean, Antarctica? it's... It's like... It's on the neutral planet? The, the aliens... <laughs> the aliens came here... Tell my wife I said us. hi. <laughs> they knew we were so uh, angry and violent that they could just hire us to make the army for them. Yeah. Sounds right. Uh, I like the way that they handled all of this in the Mass Effect video games, where humans are like, yeah, we definitely want to join the Federation of Planets, and all the other planets are like, uh, really? <laughs> uh, humans, though? <laughs> They're so gross. <laughs> it's true. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny, because every other sci-fi is so human-centric, and for the humans to be like, no, 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 we're good at it. We could be good, you know, space uh, explorers as well. And everyone else is like, really? Your you're dumb little weird fleshy bodies? I don't think so, man. <laughs> Skepticism. I don't know if humans can be quite good at oh, space exploration. Oh, good joke. Good joke. <laughs> Uh, no, that's that no one's one for nobody but you and me and that's the five true. other people who remember Mass Effect. <laughs> yep. I wish they would do a, a good new Mass Effect. Yeah, you almost just said a new Mass Effect because you forgot that they did a new one because <laughs> it was so bad. I know. I wonder if I should go back and try playing it again. Because... I think it's not busted anymore. Yeah, I think they fixed a lot of the bugs and maybe it's just boring instead of broken and boring. <laughs> It's weird, I've been catching up on the Besties podcast lately, which is about video games, and I've been catching mm. up from the beginning of last year, and when they're talking about, like, oh, when, uh, 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 uh Super Mario... Oh my god, you're having a breakdown. <laughs> oh my I god, remember, I can't remember the name of the game! <laughs> Origami King, is that what it's called? That's the the Paper, Paper Mario. Mario? Yeah. yeah. They're talking about that and Cyberpunk as, like, cool games they're looking forward to. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. uh-oh, I know what happens in the future. And it's bad. Listening to old episodes of The Besties is great, though, because they'll be like, yeah, this new game is coming out, and it's gonna be so great, and then you're like, oh, I remember them talking about that. I should try it out. And you look on the eShop and it's like, on sale for $5 because it's been out for two years. It's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <That is good>. <laughs> <sighs> uh, <clears throat> I, um, did the Voyager ever make the leap home? Yes. I think so. Okay. The last episode. We don't need to talk about it because it's a spoiler for the end of the series. But yes, definitely. There's a whole thing, etc. Okay, cool. Uh, and sometimes those guys had cameos in the movies afterwards. Uh, I don't remember. I think they I, I think the, did. The, the Doctor Hologram does, um, but I don't know about yes. anyone else. The Doctor Hologram had cameos before they made it home because he's just a program that's in every Starfleet ship. Yeah. Right inexplicably uh, only ever seen on two ships and not mentioned before then. (laughs) Well, after, because uh, he was new technology, so they only built him into new ships, and they had built a new Enterprise in that uh, that movie, which is why he was on that one, so it does make sense. Mm -hmm. And then immediately after him, they replaced him with Matthew... Lillard. Lillard. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, the guy from News Radio. Oh, his name was Matthew on News Radio. His real life name was Andrew Andy Andrew Wait. Ryan. Andy uh, Dick? You're not thinking of Andy, Andy Dick. Dick. Right? Yes, Andy Dick, yes. Was he? Because he is notoriously terrible to work with and everyone hates him. I know, but there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager where uh, the doctor gets back home and finds out that the new version of the EMH program is Andy Dick. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at a picture here and it sure is Andy Dick in a Star Trek Voyager uniform. I wonder what was going on behind the scenes at Voyager, because they did have that episode with um, uh, Sarah Silverman (laughs) as the guest Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Were they, like, in touch with the L.A. comedy scene of the mid-90s? They Who must knows. have been. Yeah, I wonder how. It's very weird. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so funny. That episode, the, like, 90s culture in that yeah. episode that was made <laughs> in, like, 2001, still somehow they didn't remember anything about the 90s. <laughs> Oh my god, Brad Dorif was on Voyager. Jesus, Voyager <laughs> yeah. had, like, a ton of weird uh, guest stars, huh? Yeah. Voyager was better than people give it credit for, I think. It's not yeah, it's, good, yeah. but it's not terrible. <laughs> I think yeah, it's, it's one that, that people... Land. I think people look back on it fondly now. Yeah. Uh, despite it just, hating it when it came out. <laughs> yeah. I feel like early Star Trek, especially the original series, was trying so hard to not be, like... Uh, Lost in Space, or what was what, what other sci-fi series were around at that time? Mm, I don't know that many. Doctor Who? I'm, it didn't really take anything yeah, from Doctor Who. Right, all of those types of things where, like, you know, sci-fi was supposed to be campy and ridiculous, and they were, and the original series was like, no, actually, sci-fi could be serious and it would be good. And then I think Voyager was like, yeah, but it could also be campy and be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... I think it's fun that sometimes uh, Star Trek now can just be like, we're going to take the big, weird, serious sci-fi concepts and also uh, do some laser fights. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're going to put those in the same thing instead of uh, separating them into different shows. <laughs> and you're saying this is g- good? Yeah. No, I, I like, uh, like, in Discovery, how they have, yeah, here's a, a f- enormous tardigrade that travels the Mushroom Network, and then and also, like, we're gonna punch some Klingons in the face. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I like that, really. I like how... I feel like the problem with that is that it's hard to square somebody who's, like, a pacifist philosopher with wanting extremely badly to shoot a torpedo into someone's butt. <laughs> Oh man, this is a different Star Trek than I expected. I didn't know we were. <laughs> yeah, well, Star Trek fucks these days, didn't you know? <laughs> yeah, Star Trek has gotten like more explicitly horny. It was definitely yep. like '60s. We can't talk about sex horny in the original yes. series, but yeah, and then it's... it and then it was like '80s and '90s, like talking to you about sex when they're your mom, kind of horny for a <laughs> yeah. while. Yeah, it's absolutely like horny, sexually liberated parent horny in a way that was yes. bad. Oh my yep. god, I cannot believe that they made all of the women in the in the next generation wear like bathing suits. <laughs> Yeah. What the fuck were they uh, thinking? But it's fine because that one background extra in the pilot episode was a man in a go-go skirt, so it's totally <laughs> fine. It's gender equality, Matt. Oh my god. I just like obviously uh Marina Sirtis, who played Counselor Troy at that time didn't have couldn't complain because she was an actress looking for work. But 
to walk on set and everyone else is wearing like a full body onesie pajama set <laughs> and you're wearing basically a bustier and nothing else. Yeah. What? <laughs> How do you not be like, excuse me, I think there's been a terrible mistake. I think you do say that and no one listens to you. <laughs> yeah, <that>? maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she eventually got herself a, a uniform, though. Yeah, once once she had the clout to be like, actually, I'll quit this show <laughs> yeah. if you don't do something to treat me with respect, then things got better. She got her own special color of uniform, too. Like, yeah. nobody else was wearing teal, right? Uh, the, the, the medical ones were, right? Yeah, it was basically the science officer's uniform. I don't think I, there was any difference. And she was a doctor of that, brains, brain psychology, right? Yeah. I, I thought that the science, the normal science officer was, like, bluier. Mm, I don't I think, think so. so. Hmm. What's very weird is they had her, like, oh, she has to be with the captain at all times, because when he talks to people, she she's going to be able to read their minds, and that's a huge advantage, which is a really interesting idea, and they kind of didn't do anything with that, really. It's true, and it's wild to think that there would be a, a universe where there is a group of people who can do this, and everyone wouldn't have one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah. How do you not have a position on your ship that's just mind reader? <laughs> yeah. And they really turn it down, so eventually she's just like, hmm, this uh, Klingon captain seems to be angry. Like, yeah, we know. We, we all know that, too. <laughs> we can tell from his makeup. <laughs> from the very beginning, they're like, well, she's a Betazoid, and they are able to read minds, but she's only half Betazoid, so she can only read feelings. And I'm yeah. like, get a full Betazoid! <laughs> What uh, the no, they fuck? Don't, they that don't, they sucks. Don't like people. Well, <laughs> you know from her mother on. that they do like people a lot. <laughs> yeah, especially in that horny mom kind of way we were just talking about. <laughs> they all hang out on Betazo Prime or wherever they live. Yeah. All right, we have to start talking about what we did this week because we're so far into the episode now. I don't gonna... do anything. That's yeah. why. I'm... Mine's mine's real uh, short. Yeah. Okay, Louisa, you go. All right. Uh, this week I watched the '80s movie. Teen Wolf, which I've heard a lot about and I have never seen in my life. Have you guys seen Teen Wolf? No, no. I had assumed that it was an important part of your childhood, though. No, it would have been, right? But somehow, like, I just never got around to watching it. Um, yeah, I've I've thought many times that I should watch it, but I've never really wanted to. Yeah. It's, <laughs> That's a lot of people's favorite bad movie. Yeah, it's very, um, it's a very simple plot, which is kind of nice. Like, you're just watching a simple movie. Like, movies aren't allowed to be that simple anymore. <laughs> the mm -hmm. special effects aren't great, and, like, the story's not complicated. So that's kind of yeah. pleasant. Now, I understand his wolf powers help him to be a better actor. Is that true? <laughs> I don't think he needs any help on the acting. He does such amazing physical comedy in this movie. No, 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 sorry. I'm not talking about Michael J. Fox. I'm talking about the character in the thing. Yeah. Like, he gets a part in the school play because of his wolf powers. Uh, he gets a part in the school play because he's uh, a wolf man and everyone thinks that's cool. But it doesn't help him act any better. He has one line... <laughs> And it's the most bizarre play. Um, it's Hamlet or whatever. <laughs> it's clearly set on a southern plantation, and the popular girl is like a southern belle who's uh, begging the army not to burn her plantation. And he's mm -hmm. the colonel who says, no, we are going to burn it. And that's the only scene we ever see. There are no other actors <laughs> or anything. Uh -huh. Like, that's So Gone it. with the Wind. It's just Gone with the Wind. But it's like a one-woman play of Gone with the Wind, but then they <laughs> added a colonel <laughs> who's a wolf man. 
<laughs> oh my god. Uh, sometimes yeah. I forget that there was a, a sexy teen version of Teen Wolf for the modern day. Yeah. Oh yeah. I wonder was how they like built- a series or something? What's that? Was it a series or a, a yeah. movie? It, no, was it was a, a it was a six season television series that was Holy like shit. wildly they popular to, on MTV. They must have had to build the plot from scratch because there's not <laughs> enough plot in this movie. How oh, big yeah. of a plot thread in this series was the term dick nose? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that all they took from the original movie was teenagers can become werewolves. Yeah, which <laughs> is a great premise. As I was watching the movie, and it's him, like, struggling to be cool in high school, even though he's a little dweeb. Like, the fact that adding a wolfman uh, problem on top of that is it's really good. That's a great premise. I think yeah. that t- Teen Wolf sounds like the best Spider-Man movie that's ever been made. Do we all agree? <laughs> yeah, I can go uh, that. Well, I, I enjoy Spider-Man 2, which I know you do not. Yes, so. of course <laughs> not. It is the second garbage. best Spider-Man movie ever made after Spider-Man 2. <laughs> uh, uh, so, this movie... Um, What's kind of remarkable is, speaking of it being a bad movie, is there's a lot of ADR, and it's very obvious. Like, you can see characters' mouths moving, but they're saying a different thing, and the thing they're saying has, like, a different tone to it, like it's being recorded in a gym or something. (laughs) Was this Michael J. Fox's first movie? I know he was on Family Ties before that, but was this the first movie he did? It might be. I think it was his first starring role. Because I wonder if this movie wasn't meant to be popular. (laughs) And then Michael J. Fox blew up and everyone was like, oh, okay, actually, let's watch this movie, you know? Probably. It came out in 85. Is that the same year as Back to the Future? Yes, that is. It is, is, yes. Um, yeah, he is definitely the bright spot in it. Um, the fact that... I never thought about it before, but his comedy is so nervous. When that's coming from a person dressed as a wolf man, that's very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So would you recommend people watch this movie? Uh, yes. It's an hour and a half long. I think it is worth an hour and a half of your time. Don't expect it to be good, and I think you will enjoy it just fine. Don't watch those credits, because it's not worth that extra time. (laughs) I did watch the credits, because I wanted to know what song plays during the tense uh, basketball climax game. Mm -hmm. Weirdly, it was Footloose. (laughs) I wanted to, like, put that on one of my Spotify playlists. Uh, no, none of the music for that movie is available anywhere. It is all written and... Um, lyrics and music by one person, and then I guess given to different singers to do. So it's like no famous artists or anything. Hmm. It's kind of insane. Uh, I've just discovered that Teen Wolf was the first movie written by a writer I really hate named Jeff Loeb. Mm, what has he done? Uh, he's written, like, a lot of my least favorite comic books ever. Um, <laughs> he, he wrote some good ones. He wrote, like, Batman the Long Halloween and, and a bunch of stuff, but I think that's mostly just because the art's good. Uh, and he Did- was in charge of all of the Marvel television TV shows when they were on Netflix. That's now, television, did, television TV shows. Cool. Cool words, Jeff. <laughs> now, did he write that song that's like, you say, I only hear what I want Ooh. to. No, that, Jeff, was his, that was his mother, Lisa. Ah. Uh, Jeff, uh, can you put that song at the end of the episode, please? Thanks, Jeff. What song? <laughs> uh, so, Jeff, what did you do this week? 
God damn it. I knew you were going to ask me. I knew it was coming, but I didn't do anything. No, I played a lot of uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, uh, which I don't think I've talked about on the show, but I... Hmm. Um, How is that? Um, it is, if you would like to get the looks and sounds of Breath of the Wild, but spend a lot less energy paying attention to what you're doing, uh, <laughs> this sure is the game for you. Because hmm. you get... It's like, it's like if somebody was handed all of the assets from Breath of the Wild and was told uh, make the stupidest anime garbage idiot game possible. Uh Um... Because you just, like, if you've played Dynasty Warriors, it's just one of those. You get to go around killing literally hundreds of enemies in a, like, 15 to 30 minute level. Um, And on top of that, sometimes you get to control the Divine Beasts and kill thousands of enemies in, like, a (laughs) 10 minute level. Uh, And it's just mindless fun. Um, And I've, I've enjoyed playing it while I listen to a podcast. Is there any way in which it is different from the other Hyrule Warrior game? Uh, I would say that it is a little more refined and story-focused, um, mm-hmm. while being maybe less expansive, because I don't think this one has as many characters as that one, which just has just an assload of characters. Some of them should definitely not be there, where you're like, this character was never in a Zelda game, why? <laughs> How? <laughs> yeah, the, like, main hero and main bad guy in Hyrule Warriors, for some reason, are original characters. <laughs> Yep. Huh. Uh, Who are the enemies I'm, you fight? Who are these thousands of enemies? Uh, in Age of Calamity? Yeah. Uh, mostly Bokoblins and Lizalfos, oh, okay. and uh, the, like, boss monsters are usually, like, a Moblin, uh, and then there's, like, bigger boss monsters that are, like, your Hinoxes and Lynels and stuff. Okay. I thought maybe it was, like, a whole new, like, uh, the Foot Clan, you know, just made up mm-hmm. Shadow Warriors for Robots. the game. But no. Yeah. Uh, no, there, uh, occasionally you have boss fights, uh, just, I just got to the part where you, uh, free the Korok Forest and get the Master Sword, and before you get the Master Sword, you have to fight these, like, they're made of that purple goo, but they're shaped like your friends the champions, so they uh, have, okay. like, all their, all their moves, and then yep. they're kind of tough, and then after you get the Master Sword, you just wipe the floor with them in, like, two <laughs> hits, so it's a, it's, like, a very clever way to show... Uh, how powerful the Master Sword is against uh, Ganon's energy. That's pretty good. Yeah, I feel like that in general the Zelda games have not done a great job of selling the Master Sword in yeah. a long time. Because I remember when I played uh, Link to the Past, is that the one that was on SNES? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when I played A Link to the Past, and you get that Master Sword and it can shoot that energy beam out of it, you're like, fuck, I'm gonna fucking own this game now. Mm-hmm. Everyone better watch their asses. But yeah. at, since then, I can't ima- I can't even remember gameplay changing with the Master Sword versus not. Yeah, I <laughs> this was- is another sword. I was just talking about this, because I've been playing Dragon Quest, but in that game also, just like with the Master Sword, there's the Sword of Light, there's this legendary sword you're supposed to get, and you get it, and you're like- well, I already have a more powerful sword, so I'm not going to equip it. <laughs> like, why yeah. did that happen in games? That's no good. Yeah, I, I think that, like, 
if you get early in the game the legendary weapon, it has to have some way to power up later so that you can use it against the final boss. Like yeah. you can't just you can't this just is... have it be like the fifth most powerful weapon in the game. <laughs> this is why one of my favorite RPGs of all time, Lunar Silver Star Story, which I'm sure I've talked about on the show before. One of the reasons that it's so good, besides the fact that it has a good story, is that the whole thing is about you're traveling all around to get the, like, the artifacts of these dragon gods, and as they die, they give you their, like, you know, armor or shield or helmet or sword or whatever. Yep. And when you get them, it fundamentally changes how you play the game. It's like, oh shit, now that I've got this helmet, I don't have to, like, avoid fighting monsters anymore because I'm essentially immortal or like Mm -hmm. I can now teleport around the map because I have this shield like that fucking rules and it feels so good when you get one of the dragon uh, treasures and you're like fuck yes this whole game just changed yeah yeah I would I would love a uh, I think more Metroidvania style Zelda game I think that they uh, they do that like a little bit in in some of them but it's it's usually so linear that there's not that fun, uh, like, oh, now I can go experiment in the world with this new mode of movement. Uh, it's usually just like, oh, I got the, uh, the laser beam that opens the doors that have a laser beam symbol on them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of effort is put into the idea that, like, you know, even if you go back to the original, the first dungeon when you're right at the end of the game, it's just as hard because, like, you know, we're keeping it perfectly balanced. But that sucks. And what yeah. we actually all want is, oh man, I may be struggling with these villains now, but when I come back at the end of the game, I'm going to fucking show these guys who's boss. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really satisfying when an early mini boss becomes a normal enemy towards the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And like, they're, they're the same level of power, but you've just gotten so much more powerful and better at the game. Yeah. I feel like RPGs do an okay job at that because of character progression, but stuff like Zelda has never done a great job. I mean, I think that, like, Metroidvanias do pretty well as well with, you yeah. know, you, you get a freeze beam or something and it makes it so much easier to fight armored monsters or whatever the thing is. That can be really satisfying, and I wonder why they don't care to do that with Zelda games. Uh, I think I think yeah. it's just, like, a different... I was actually watching a really interesting video on this about the, like, design philosophy of Nintendo games and how it's causing, uh, sort of problems with people who preferred the, like, maybe late 90s, early 2000s style, mm. uh, where they don't really do the Metroid-style progression of, like, you gain a permanent new ability that lets you permanently do a new type of movement. Uh, right. And they, they did that in a lot of their games, like Mario Sunshine, you get new abilities. Uh, Mario 64, you unlock the, like, hats that give you new abilities. Yeah. Um, and, of course, all the Metroid games, and and uh, Zelda occasionally uh, in, like, the N64 GameCube era. but And, of course, Paper Mario, you had straight up just a level-up system. Um, right. But lately, they've been trying to just 
rather than give you that like uh carrot on a stick type reward like have you always chasing after the the high of leveling up or gaining more power they want you to just have fun with the base game which i think is an admirable goal but only works if it's something like a traditional mario game where like i don't know like super mario odyssey you don't gain any powers throughout that but that game's incredible mm-hmm. um breath of the wild seems- you don't gain anything after the uh, plateau and also amazing. Yeah, I think that's very also... smart. Oh my god! Go I, ahead. I didn't get to say nope. anything either, Matt. I know. I I tried so many times. <laughs> um, it also seems like a very childish a- approach to game design, though. To be like, once somebody has learned the the way that the game works, we can't give them anything else, or they'll be overwhelmed, or like they won't have had fun previously. Like, no, for an adult playing a game, we can. We can accept new data and be like, this is fun again. You know what I mean? I think the yeah. motivation is partly like making accessible, making it accessible to children who are dumb. Uh, yes. but I think mostly it's about like, we don't want you to be tricked into liking this game by having it just be like a Skinner box with, uh, like, uh, motivation detached from the fun of play. Yeah. I thought what was very smart about Breath of the Wild was how quickly they're like, here's all your stuff. And now here's your way to get around anywhere in the world. Go do it. And yep. like, it took time with those shrines to teach you how to use those powers, but you had them all to just fuck around with if you wanted. But I think that it's very reductive to say that any kind of advancement is just like a Skinner box, like gratification thing. Because I agree. The uh, thing I... is, the, oh, let me finish. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead. Sorry. My, my point is, um, it, when you add new stuff, it, it essentially makes it so that you now have a new way to experience the stuff you've already done in the game as well. Like, mm-hmm. the thing that's so brilliant about it isn't just, oh, now you're more powerful to, like, express your power fantasy. It's now you've got a new, now you can experience all the stuff you've already done again with new eyes and have fun with it again. Isn't that great? And it is great. Yeah, new game plus. Yeah, I mean, kind I, uh, of, yeah. I, I agree that it is not, uh, like, the end-all ultimate game design philosophy, but the the fact that, like, it makes sense that, yeah, they probably are thinking that behind their games based on what they say in interviews and stuff. It's like, alright, at least I understand where they're coming from and they're not making the new Paper Mario bad just to spite us. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but it's frustrating because... I don't understand why Nintendo continually doesn't want to make games for fans of Nintendo. Yeah, they've always kind of been like that. They just sort of cast around for new ideas. It's just wild. Yeah, I think part of it is they want to give us things we didn't know we wanted rather than the thing that we're asking for, which is a big swing because it really worked. It really, (laughs) really worked with Breath of the Wild where like uh, people love that game. It's not really like any of the previous Zelda games. Um, it's and true. it's not, it's not what people were asking for. People were just like, can you do Ocarina of Time again, please? Uh, and instead they were like, absolutely not. That's not what you actually want. You think you want that, but you don't. Uh, but with Paper Mario, everyone who's saying, can you give us Thousand Year Door again, please? They do actually want that. <laughs> 
Nintendo's or, like, no, you don't really want that. You want this uh, weird uh, Sudoku no-level-up game. No, they just but, want an RPG starring their friend Mario. But I don't know that I totally agree with that, because uh, it, Breath of the Wild was like, oh, you think you want Ocarina of Time again? Here's something 1,000 times more ambitious, and it's way more complicated and weird, but give it a shot. Whereas with most of the stuff that Nintendo makes these days, people are like, oh, could you just give us, like, could you give us Earthbound some more? And they're like, mm, we could give you Earthbound, but instead here's a stupid game for babies. Enjoy it, babies. <laughs> like, yeah. fuck off, Nintendo! I think they always want to innovate. I don't think Sony or PlayStation care about that as much, because a lot of their franchises are like, here's another Madden game, here's another Call of Duty. So I think Nintendo positions themselves as trying to be on the cutting edge, and that's the most important thing to them. But they always seem to want to innovate down, like, to to reach to non-gamers even more. I think they want to make games more accessible, yes. Yeah. At uh, the expense of doing them good a lot of the time, though, is the problem. I think that I it's know. just it's just when they swing and miss, it feels like way more of a miss. And when they knock yeah. it out of the park, it doesn't feel like a revolutionary uh, grand slam because them knocking out of the park just feels effortless. Yeah, yes. I suppose. I'm just trying to think, like, for every one or two knock it out of the parks, like, what, what was the last game that they really knocked out of the park? Mario Odyssey, maybe? Yeah. I was thinking that. That was, like, two years ago. Yeah, they came out... (laughs) That year they came out with, I think, two of the best games ever made. Yes. And people are like, yeah, but what have they done this year? (laughs) Sure. that's always the thing with Nintendo. They came out with with Animal Crossing this year. (laughs) What did they do in the ten years before Breath of the Wild and Odyssey, then? Uh, See, I don't know. All the Wii U U games that absolutely nobody played, because only five people bought a Wii U, and two of them (laughs) were me and you, Matt. Yeah, because they were innovating down. They kept on being like, well, I know that people who play video games like a game, but what people who don't play video games like is an iPad. So let's give that that instead. Like, I know that there's people out there who want games, but fuck those people. Instead, we should make games for people who don't want games. What? I think <laughs> Why? I think they're surviving because they've put themselves in that niche. Yeah, okay. I think that, it, it I worked think, with the with the Wii. I was going to say, I think the Wii broke everyone's brains at Nintendo, and now they're like, we can only make games if they're for senior citizens living in like uh, assisted living facilities. Well, they always wanted to be more family friendly, and PC and the other uh, systems have kind of moved more and more away from that. Like all their big things are games for the world's dumbest people, <laughs> like violent shooters and sports games, right? Um, yeah, I, mean... I, I, I would say that Nintendo's heart as a toy company has survived through uh, yeah. a lot of other trends where other companies have died. Yeah. I suppose that's true, but it's still extremely frustrating and makes it, like, the Switch is a great console, and the fact that even now there's only, like, a handful of really good games for it is absolutely wild. They allow a lot more third-party stuff than they ever had before, though, so... It's yeah, true, but, true, but those indie games, while they might be fun and capture you for a short time, it's still, like, it's not a great game, usually. I mean, I can, you know, Stardew Valley I've been playing again on my uh, Switch, and it's fun. I love it. Yeah. I love Stardew Valley, but I'm not gonna say, like, 
oh, this is the this is the new big release on the Switch this year, you know? I guess for me it comes down to, and you can't really put um, emotions onto corporations, but I feel more like Nintendo intends to welcome me into playing games, whereas the other systems have a very antagonistic approach. Like, if you can't get something to work on your computer, you're not going to find a lot of help. People are going to be like, well, how good is your graphics card, stupid? Like, no one's going to care to help you enjoy the game, and I feel like Nintendo does. Uh, unless you want to play your game online. Yeah, well, I true. don't ever, so for me, that's no problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think that Nintendo has just such a specific focus on, like, they know that they make their money by making toys that are fun for as many people as possible, and sometimes that leaves out, uh, Matt's desire to have a very complex, you know, role-playing game or something. I, I just think that more often than not, they end up whiffing it, and they end up whiffing it by, like, if you were an investor in a company and the company had a huge and rabid fan base who absolutely loves everything that that company does, and every time that they did like a presentation on their new projects, they were like, we know that all our fans want this, but fuck them. And they did that every year for a decade. You'd be like, what's wrong with you? You have a fan base. Do something for them mm. once. Nintendo, One time. Nintendo is good at making you realize you like something you didn't think you were going to like, though. Like, how many times have I've been like, well, this sounds stupid about some new game, and then found out it's really great? Yeah. Uh, 2017 was just a wild year for Nintendo, though. Like, right. I, th I think letting them coast until I, like, we haven't heard about any of their 2021 releases. They probably have some bangers coming out after Pokemon Snap hits. Uh, yeah. But, like, I think you could coast on finally giving people a new Metroid, the best Zelda, and the best Mario. <laughs> yeah. Did they give a new Metroid? Yeah, there was a new Metroid in 17. It was uh, on the 3DS, Samus Returns. No, that was a remaster. It was it was a complete rehaul. Like it's nothing like Metroid Two. It's it's functionally a new game with the same story. Ugh, that's not the same thing. I don't think that that counts. Eh, I think that counts. Plus, they've given us Pokemon and Animal Crossing since then. Some of the big things that people were looking forward to, they have done them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, did you play Xenoblade Chronicles or Two or X, Matt? I I played Xenoblade Chronicles for like. 10 hours and didn't get out of the, like, tutorial. And I was like, this sucks. This game is absolute trash garbage. Which is weird, because I love, I know that, like, there's not a direct connecting thread, but a lot of people tie Xenoblade to the Xenogears series that was on the uh, PlayStation. Um, however, there is... Those games were good and interesting and fun, and Xenoblade is trash in a trash can <laughs> for babies. One of them has a tie-in to the Breath of the Wild DLC, where you get special armor that's supposed to be from one of those games. I don't remember mm. which one, and it felt weird to see it in Breath of the Wild. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 had the uh, free Breath of the Wild <laughs> armor DLC. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> Ugh, very oh. fun. Yeah, um, I mean, listen, I get it, and, like, part of this, part of my rage is probably because I hate Animal Crossing, and that was literally the whole of last year, Nintendo's <laughs> only thing that they did was <laughs> Animal Crossing, so I'm like, 
fucking do something, Nintendo. That's so um, funny to me. You saying, and I can, I know you're serious, that you hate Animal Crossing. I do, I hate it. The thing is, before this most recent Animal Crossing came out, I just didn't care for Animal Crossing. But after a full year of everyone else talking about how great this stupid, terrible game is, I just hate it. I hate but it, I hate it so you haven't played, so you much. don't know. Okay. No, I think it's perfectly reasonable for you to hate it. It's just very funny because it is the, like, most low-stakes, pleasant, nothing thing to hate. Like, it's just, it's like hating plain white bread. (laughs) I mean, it's like when, you know, okay, here's what I will say. You guys know I love board games, and I love coming up with, like, concepts and and, uh, understandings of the mechanics behind games. Yeah. What... When I, sometimes, I mean, when there wasn't a quarantine on, I would often have board game group meetings where people, we would get together and play board games. We would all vote on which board game was best and then leave. (laughs) Yes. Um, and like when I would get together with, with friends and we'd get out a board game, it could be something complicated like a, you know, uh, Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan or, you know, the Call of Cthulhu games or whatever. Or it could be something simple like Scrabble and I would be having a great time. And then every once in a while someone would pull out a game and it'd be like, okay, this game, here's a deck of cards and each card has a picture on it. And you look at the picture and then we're all going to tell a story to each other about what that picture means. I and love the game. How dare and I was you? like, and it's like, fuck, this isn't a game! Like, I could tell you guys stories without having a deck of cards, and then it's not a fucking game! It's not the same thing! (laughs) Alright. Matt, what did you do this week? It's never gonna end. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I, I do think that all of this uh, makes sense with Matt's... Like, Matt's anger towards Animal Crossing is a good synecdoche for his anger towards Nintendo at large, because you're just supposed to enjoy walking around the island without any motivation, Uh, and Matt doesn't like that. It just just makes me feel like a thing where, where you're in a contest with other people, and like, it's like, okay, everyone, we're all gonna try our best to do this, and then everyone else isn't taking the contest seriously, and you are, and then when you're like, hey, that person over there is cheating, the person in charge is like, oh yeah, but they're having fun. It's like, no, I tried! I tried! Anyway. (laughs) This is really spirally. It's weird areas. (laughs) But what did you do? What did you do? Okay. Yeah, you bastard. (laughs) I watched two shows this week that I had never watched before. One I think we will not have a lot of discussion about, and the other one I think we could talk about more. So, uh, I started watching a show that everyone has talked about for many years as being really fantastic, which is Shit's Creek. Oh! Have you guys watched Shit's Creek? Some of the first uh, season, yes. I've seen some episodes of it because Chris and Leah watched it when they lived in this apartment that I currently So I've watched the first two seasons now. And at one point, as I was watching it while I was working, Jen came in and she was like, oh, you're watching Shit's Creek. Everyone talks about how good this is. Do you like it? And I sat silently for three full minutes and then said, no? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I like it or not. Yeah. Which is weird. I have very strong opinions about everything. (laughs) Yeah, I watched a few episodes before Christmas. People had always told me how good it was. And I do think it's good, but I also don't know if I like it. 
Yeah. So. It's, it reminds me a lot, and a part of this, I'm sure, is because Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are the two sort of lead uh, actors. But it reminds me a lot of the Christopher Guest comedy movies, mm-hmm. like Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman and things like that, because it's very, it's very good and intelligently put together, and all the people doing their jobs are doing them extremely well, but the point of it, it it is often funny, but no one is trying to make jokes. Yeah. And so it's like, it's not really a comedy. It's yeah. just a thing that people did. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it is weird. And it's especially weird because Chris Elliott, is that his mm-hmm. name? Yeah. He's in it. And he is one of the broadest comedians I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And he is also doing the... And he's still doing that broad comedy character, and it's a very weird and jarring juxtaposition to have him next to Eugene Levy doing his character of, like, slightly befuddled but well-meaning old man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the thing that he's done in every single appearance on film that he's ever made. (laughs) Well, there's, no, there's two Eugene Levy's, because there's this, and then there's Bringing Down the House and American Pie Eugene Levy, where he's like a Catskills comedian, kind of. He's still a befuddled old man in that, though. That's true, but in those ones, he's like constantly searching to make a joke whereas i think when he shines best is when he's just doing a very bizarre character and doing it perfectly well so that the joke isn't anything he says but just that he exists yeah i think my favorite thing he's ever done is playing the character of mitch in a mighty wind and i think that nails that he never tells any jokes but he's just extremely bizarre yes mitch and uh was the Mickey, thank you, in Mighty Wind, which are play- they are played by Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. Those yep. characters are hilarious without ever doing jokes. Yep. And the fact that those two actors are opposite each other again in this show and doing characters that never tell jokes, but completely different in every way from those <laughs> characters, <laughs> yeah. is really spectacular and a real testament to how good Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are. But, like, man, I just don't know if I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I think I'm gonna keep watching it, but <laughs> I, as I watch it, I'm like, is this, is this funny? Yeah, it's very hard to tell. I do like, yes. um, here's the problem. I can't remember his name. Eugene Levy's son, who plays his son yes. in the show. Dan he, Levy. Yeah, I was gonna say, his real name is, is either David or Daniel, and his character name is the other one. <laughs> so I will <laughs> never remember his name. But he is yes. very good, and he's also a writer, and he wrote a lot of Shit's Creek, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah, he's very funny, and I think he might be the best character on the show. Yeah. Um, his sister is also funny in a slightly more caricature-y kind of way. Yeah. The thing that I think is pretty good about the show is the fact that the... So, for anyone who doesn't know, the premise of it is it's a family who used to be rich and they lost everything and now they have to live in this, like, very backwater kind of town. Um... And it's a simple premise. A lot of people I've seen have compared it to Arrested Development because it's Mm -hmm. about the problems of -of out-of-touch rich people. But whereas Arrested Development kind of takes the opposite approach of being willing to walk an extremely long way to make a very convoluted joke, Mm -hmm. which often works very well and is very funny, this Schitt's Creek is like, there is no joke. You bring the joke. (laughs) We'll bring the premise. You bring the joke. (laughs) I think the other main difference is the family uh, loves each other, unlike the Bluths, who all constantly are trying to murder one another. (laughs) 
do they love each other? Yeah, it's I don't hard- know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I would say oh, that. They don't like each other, but they mm. do love each other. I guess. I just I watched an episode where Catherine O'Hara had to see if her daughter had a fever, and she had to. She used uh, a roll of toilet paper and, like, a sanitary glove so that she didn't have to get any diseases off her daughter. <laughs> so. It's really weird that Eugene Levy just, like, has had a talented son this whole time that nobody yeah. heard of until this show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's also in those um, phone commercials that fucking play constantly on YouTube, and it makes me insane. I don't know which which ones you're talking about, but I have an ad blocker on my computer, so. Okay. (sighs) Anyway, the other show I watched was WandaVision. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, I thought that was the one we were going to have more to talk about. Uh, um, yeah, I've been watching that too. It's just they have not revealed enough of the mystery for us to have anything to talk about, except, boy, I sure wish they reveal more of that mystery soon. Do you think the it's going to be like a J.J. Abrams puzzle box where they kind of imply more and more mystery but never solve anything? Yeah, I think that that's probably true. Mm-hmm. I don't um, I don't hate that. I know a lot of people do, but it is a little bit frustrating. I think I, that they will just answer the questions in a way that makes the first half of the season feel like a waste of time. Okay. <laughs> I feel like they're building to a season ender that is pretty much not going to be a surprise for anyone who's read any comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sort of the, the precursor to the House of M series, where basically Wanda went crazy uh, okay. and they had to put her into some kind of isolation because she's just like out of control of her powers. Mm, okay. But anyway, um, I do like how every... Ep- Louisa, have you watched it at all? No, I haven't. I'm surprised they got the uh, actors from the movies to be the roles. Yeah, I agree. I think that Disney Plus has enough clout now that they can sort of strong arm people who are movie <laughs> stars into being on shows. We I, I think it's much, <laughs> it's much easier to get Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen to sign a nine-episode contract than it would be to get, like, Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans or Chris yeah. Pratt or, or another Chris guy Pine named Chris. or Chris, yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, Chris Pine needs to join the Marvel Universe. <laughs> he's, yes. Oh, he's not. He's in DC, right? He got yeah, killed yeah, in, Wonder a, in a Wonder Woman. He's yeah. Wonder Woman's boyfriend. I also yeah. think that, that Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany probably were like, mm, we don't know. And then they saw that they would be getting to do like Bewitch-style, super broad sitcom acting for nine episodes. And they're like, actually, that sounds really fun. And we do <laughs> want to do that. Oh, man. Paul Bettany's comedic timing is great. Elizabeth Olsen is actually bringing like a fun energy to that role for the first time ever here's the thing (laughs) the show is mostly just bewitched Uh or like variations on bewitched and i don't love bewitched and so a lot of the time that i'm watching the show i'm like "Uh, i don't know man (laughs) like i get what you're doing but it's not for me maybe but then every episode has at least one moment that is like weird like Cthulhu-esque unknowable horror. <laughs> hmm, okay. And you're watching it and you're like, oh my god, I'm genuinely upset. In the first episode, uh one of the uh the the premise is like the boss is coming over to dinner and it you know it's a very overdone I Love Lucy style premise on purpose. Yeah. Uh and the boss's wife is uh the woman who played Kitty Foreman on that 70s show. Oh yeah who is fantastic and she does a great job as this character and then there's one moment where like reality breaks and she's just constantly repeating the phrase stop it 
directly to Wanda's face and she's like crying as she says it over and over again like she can't stop and then it just it, it just ends and the show goes on and I was yep. like my god this is horrifying <laughs> I'm yeah, genuinely unhappy and upset about this. There's, there's like, a couple of, like, little weird things that happen during, like, its uh, square, like, widescreen bars on the side. Uh, and then there's the moment every episode where the screen slowly fills out the full, like, uh, <laughs> wideness of your television and it gets super weird. Uh, and those yeah, are good enough that I'm willing to keep watching it. Same. Because... If it, if it didn't have those, if it was just, like, at the end of every episode, they showed, like, scientists in a lab watching a monitor and being like, her mind is broken or whatever, I'd be like, I get it, I'm done. But <laughs> it's so rare that you see the kind of horror on any TVs or movies, really. TVs. TV or movies. Uh, you see the kind of horror that is just, like, the horror of reality not making sense. Yeah. And it's a good, it's like, not a good feeling. It's like a, a, it's a thrilling feeling to have some kind of like unknowable horror happening. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. I've said this before, but the, for me, the absolute scariest moments of television, maybe ever, were on Lost when they would watch the old Dharma Initiative videos, which had weird glitches or yes. like skips in the uh, film. I'm like, I yeah. can't fucking stand to watch this. This is making me insane. Yeah, Ugh. I feel like that's the same sort of vibe. I think that Lost at its best had that same sort of, like, maybe reality isn't real yeah. moments, and you're like, <laughs> oh shit, I've yeah. been so interested in Walt and his son, I forgot about the fact that maybe none of this is happening. Yeah. I will say, I am curious if this is Wanda generating this weird sitcom reality. Mm. When does she learn about sitcoms? Because she grew up in, like, a of fictional blasted like uh eastern european wasteland country that probably didn't have sitcoms i bet it did have reruns of american 50s and 60s sitcoms is what i yeah, bet maybe that's all she could do also <laughs> i think i mean wanda's powers are like notoriously ill-defined in the comics <laughs> And in the movies, more so, and where sometimes she just has, like, red laser beam energy, and that's it. <laughs> yes. Um, and, like, in House of M, minor spoilers for anyone who hasn't read House of M, uh, the whole thing of it is that she goes crazy because Vision and her kids with Vision all die, and she's like, mm. I can't deal with reality anymore, and so she starts, like, breaking from reality, but because her powers, I guess, create reality, question mark, uh, it starts messing with the whole world. And one of the things is that she makes it so that no one has superpowers anymore. She just gets rid of all superpowers. Mm -hmm. um, and that includes people that she didn't know had superpowers, so it's not that she's doing it, but she has, like, genie-wishing powers, I guess? <laughs> so she's the most powerful creature in the universe, then. Um, uh, I, mean, I think they are trying to inject some of that into the Marvel movies, where previously she was just kind of like, uh, oh, hey, it's fun, the Olsen twins' little sister is doing some laser beams. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the comics actually, I think, do a pretty interesting job of making it that, like, originally her 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 powers, I think, were defined as being the ability to alter probabilities. Hmm. Um, and so, like, it, it, when she was first introduced, she would be like, oh, well, you know, this random event 
happens and you have bad luck all the time, I'm cursing you or whatever. Um, and then once quantum mechanics became more widely known, they were like, oh, everything is probabilities. So a character who could alter probabilities at will could rewrite reality. And mm-hmm. like, there is a school of thought of quantum pro- quantum mathematics that that might be true. So I think that's actually really cool that they explored that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up with, yes, basically she is uh, a, a will engine that is able to create and unmake reality whenever she wants. So yeah, will hmm. engine would be a really, really good name for like a <laughs> steampunk detective. Mm-hmm. Or if he's like a man, he can turn into a train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, cool! Like food. a like a John Henry type of tall tale figure, like a oh, Mecha John Henry. Oh, God damn it! Not Mecha John Henry anymore. <laughs> no, that's okay. two premises ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All God. right, let's get into this. Yeah. So, um, I did a wikiHow with a random word, and the random word we got this week was breakdown. Yay! Boo! Also, though. Yeah, it could be bad, but I think it's gonna be okay, because the very first question is, <laughs> how to break down the double slap boogie woogie on a stand-up bass? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any idea what that means! I know what a stand-up bass is, that's as far as I got. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you're, I don't know how to play the stand-up bass, but I'll tell you the most important thing you need to know to play the stand-up bass, because it is the ability to spin the bass around while you're playing it. That is the coolest thing. <laughs> that is very you, cool. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, also, if you can balance up in like the crook of it, standing while you play, that's also pretty cool to do. Can people do that? I feel like you'd yeah. break your bass. No, some people could. Well, I you have to uh, do a lot of methamphetamine in order to be in a rockabilly group. So oh. you're you weigh like eighty five pounds, and you mm-hmm. can do it just fine. You need to have a carbon fiber double bass. <laughs> uh, is- uh, I found a YouTube video that says oh, no. breakdown no, no. of double slap boogie woogie. We are the experts. We can't go yeah, to the YouTube. We cannot start doing this. <laughs> this show okay. will turn in. This show will turn into the most unlistenable NPR garbage if all we do is Google answers to the questions on this list. Now, is Double Slap Boogie Woogie the name of a song? No. What do we think Uh, this question is asking? Here's the thing that I do know about playing the bass from when Jeff and I were in a very bad rock band in college and our friend Andy played the bass. (laughs) Okay. Is that almost every song has the same bass line. Mm -hmm. Regardless of genre or style. So I feel like... You could probably break down the double slap boogie woogie on stand up bass by just playing those same four notes that you've been playing the rest of the time, only faster and having a funky look on your face. <laughs> yeah, you just do it kind of quiet, and then the rest of the band's gonna take the attention, and you just look like you're being cool, and you've got it. Yeah, exactly. Get a beret and some sunglasses. <laughs> That's key. Uh, so the boogie woogie is that bass line that goes like bum 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 bum. That's a jazz scale. And that is played by double slapping the bass, where you pluck the string away from it and then slap it. Huh. I wonder what this person means by breakdown. Just how to do the hand motions, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think just because the, um, I the think upright, just... upright bass doesn't have frets, so you would have to be, like, shown how to do it. Oh, okay. I think, I think they're just afraid of getting into a band and playing with everyone, and then they hear that announcement over the speaker that's like, and now it's time for the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like in that one 
Ryan folks. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I thought the announcement, <laughs> the announcement was going to be uh, Marty McFly saying, follow my changes or whatever. <laughs> I mean, if somebody did that to me while I was playing guitar, like... I'm sure if you were a good guitar player, you would know what that means. But yeah. if you're playing at a high school prom, <laughs> you maybe don't know what that means. Because I sure as fuck don't know what that means. Here's the thing. In 1955, there's nothing else to do than know what a blues riff in B means. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Plus, they were a real band. They had tuxedos and everything. Yeah, one of them was, one of them was Chuck Berry's cousin. <laughs> Uh, God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How to break down DJ equipment. Unplug it all and put it in boxes, you goof. Yeah, make sure big you label, label those chords, otherwise you will forget what they go to. Yeah. Big, big hammer. Oh, okay. Is that well, what, if you're, is that what if you're in like, uses? Yeah, if you're in like ACDC or whatever and you want to smash it. That would be good, actually, if you were a DJ. <laughs> Trying to kick over your server tower or whatever the fuck they have. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine... A DJ Dead Mouse or whatever doing a, a show, <laughs> and then when it's all over, oh, he just God. picks up his laptop and smashes it on the ground. <laughs> I just destroyed ten thousand dollars worth of equipment. Yeah, <laughs> DJ Dead Mouse. Yeah, yeah. friggin' nerd. Ooh. Uh, speaking of friggin' nerds, the next one is breakdown scripts for EP scheduling. I don't even know what that means, but it's got to do be something to do with computers, right? Uh, I, would, no. I was going to guess executive producer. <laughs> no, it, it's not to do, it's not to do with computers. It's scripts like for shooting a film. How do you know? Oh, was I right? EP is for, uh, something production because the next one down is uh, how to break down a scene for EP scheduling. Oh, okay. EP scheduling, and then how to break down shoots for EP scheduling. <laughs> Yeah. So there's a lot of breaking down things for EP scheduling on here. I'm pretty sure EP stands for, like, executive production or mm. extended production. It's it's making movies and TV shows, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so I guess breakdown is a common term for script writing, because there are many here that say something about I think scripts. it's like, how do I take the story I want to tell and split it into scenes that could be filmed yeah. one at a time? Yes. And I think you need to start with the end and figure out who did it and then work backwards. Yeah, exactly. Did you put in enough uh, red herrings? <laughs> Add some more. Yep. You need to have at least one scene where everyone is sitting in the drawing room together and accuses each other of murder. Exactly. <clears throat> well, we've solved I do that think, one. I do think that some are, like, I've read a handful of scripts written by people who are like, oh, I'm, I want to be a film writer or whatever. And one of the main problems I've always seen in them is people not wanting to have too many different locations yeah. Or, like, too many different things going on. So it's like, this is a movie, why is it all taking place in one house? Mm-hmm. So I, I like the opposite of that, where it's very clear that, like, it did all take place in one location, but then they just added stuff during <laughs> shooting. Like... <laughs> The movie version of The Odd Couple, it's like, that all takes place in their apartment, but sometimes the scenes just seamlessly flow, like, into a taxi cab and to the pool <laughs> hall, and it's like, guys, you didn't have to. I don't know uh, I why, but you you saying pool hall reminded me of something I wanted to talk about, given that we are all fans of The Twilight Zone. The music. Do you, guys, do you guys remember the episode of The Twilight Zone where there's a guy who, like, wants to be the best pool player, and he's so mad that the old best pool player is dead so he can't play against him? Yes. 
vaguely. This sounds like like it might just be so intrinsically a premise from the Twilight Zone <laughs> yeah. that it feels like I've seen it. But yeah. <laughs> so oh, they fine. play it every year because the guy who plays the Deadpool player is like Orson Deadpool. Welles or something. Yeah, Deadpool. <laughs> Um, it's Whoa. some, it's some very famous actor. Ryan um, Reynolds. Oh my god, Jeff, you have to stop. It's not helping. <laughs> no, was, he's no, so ir- it was helping. <laughs> he's so irreverent, though, Matt. I love anyway. his fourth wall breaking style of humor. He talks directly to Rod Serling for a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, this is what I want to say. Yeah. So the guy who's the playing the pool player that wants to get ahead is like Ralph Cramden or somebody. Right. <laughs> The and fictional character? Whatever. The guy, anyway, doesn't matter. Jeff, why are you derailing this story that was supposed to be so short? Go on. Um, the whole first half of the episode is him alone in a pool hall, literally no other humans at all, screaming at the sky about how mad he is that he can't play pool against this dead dude. Yeah. The Twilight Zone- You couldn't have had one other actor there to be the interlocutor. Well, nope. I feel like the Twilight Zone, a lot of it is structured like it is a play, a lot of those episodes. Yeah. Don't you think? But they- they Some they of them have, are plays. They do have, like- extras in some episodes right. they couldn't have gotten one extra just to make it lock, not look like this man is absolutely psychotic well, it, would be great if, it would be great if there was another character there who was like mm, you are good but you're not as good as Fats Waller or whatever the guy's name is and it's like but instead it's just this guy being like everyone says I'm not as good as Fats like what? No one has said that. Are, do other humans exist in this world? No, I see, know. I kind of like that. I like when they have a feeling like, is this person insane or are they maybe already in hell? <laughs> like, these are the things you think about <laughs> with the Twilight yeah, Zone. Yeah, but you, you don't need to build that into the Twilight Zone. That's the going-in premise of every episode. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice when you get clues and you're like, mm, is this hell? <laughs> it might not be this time, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I sort of like the menace of, like, yeah. why is this guy alone in the pool hall? That doesn't make sense. It, like, immediately unsettles you, and then for the rest of the episode, you're, like, in the Twilight Zone yourself. Yeah. There's, like, guess, five but- of those episodes that are just someone running around a studio, uh, like, uh, <laughs> neighborhood, uh, set, and just being like, where is everyone? Ah! And that's it. <laughs> The first yeah. episode is the one where there's nobody except that one guy. Yep, that's true. But I don't think, I think that you can muddy the waters doing that sometimes where like, who do I care about in this pool episode? Yeah. The insane person who's furious that he can't play pool against a dead man? The very <laughs> the guy definitely- guy so angry at Nintendo for making Animal Crossing? <laughs> yeah, I'm not the sympathetic <laughs> character in this show, but there's other people to listen to. I get it. I would love an episode of this show where you're just walking around an empty set screaming at the sky about how everyone loves Animal Crossing but you. Yeah! And during the course of the episode, I need to, like, collect bugs so that I can, you know, make a museum or whatever, and then it turns out I was the Animal Crossing the whole time. Ron Sterling is uh, Tom Nook in the end. Yeah! And then it just zooms out, and it's a bunch of aliens playing Ooh. Animal Crossing, and I'm the the character in the game. Yeah, perfect. We've I'm, done I'm it. trying to conjure to mind Rod Serling, but in Animal Crossing language. Mm. <sighs> you certainly shouldn't do that. Is that worth so, it? Uh, how to hire a lab to break down a medi- medi- medicinal formula. See, I read this, and I figured if someone with a little bit of money, maybe like $10,000 to invest 
And they've decided they're going to get on WikiHow and find people to make a, a COVID vaccine from the COVID vaccine that's already out. Like they're just going to Craigslist somebody and then they're going to get rich. I mean, it may be that the person who wrote this just didn't understand the words they were using, but it doesn't say how to hire a lab to develop a medicinal Exactly. Wow. They are going to steal one from down. somebody else. Oh, I see. Yeah, get a yeah, lab to break it down. Plankton. See, Plankton from SpongeBob SquarePants trying to steal the Krabby Patty <laughs> secret formula. My, my mind immediately went to the idea of somebody being like, I bet that the government is putting mind control drugs in these vitamins I'm taking. So. Oh, that could be it too. <laughs> But it's yeah. definitely yeah, somebody probably. who's going to beat the system with a small amount of money, is my feeling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Someone who's trying to, like, find the uh, the autism molecule in the vaccine <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, so all of this talk about script breakdowns, I was like, what does that look like exactly? And discovered a photograph of a script breakdown from the Wikipedia page for script breakdown. And for some reason... It's the cover page to a script for a porno. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do they the bother writing is... scripts for those? <laughs> yeah, apparently. The <sighs> title of it is My the... Sister's Hot Friend, and in quotes below that, Old Times. So I guess the series <laughs> is My Sister's Hot Friend, and this episode is Old Times. <laughs> Uh, the characters are named Girl and Guy. Okay. The, dialogue, Girl, the dialogue is pretty good, but the stage directions are horrific. <laughs> this is just wardrobe, props, and setting. Oh, uh, man. Uh, on the first page, wardrobe, girl is wearing tight sweater, skirt, cute flats, matching bra and panties. Now, you say this is a porno, but what if it's just an anime? Because it could also go that way. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it does say file porn script at pornset.jpg. <laughs> Great. Does, oh God. Does anyone wear underwear in pornos? I guess girls do. Yeah, at the beginning. Uh, it appears to be sitting on a concrete floor uh, with, a, with a disused greasy hose wrapped around it. What, um, what are you talking about? The script? The, the script, yes. Here, I'll put a photo in for you. God. Uh, what the, the guy is not wearing underwear. He is wearing long-sleeved shirt, jeans, tennis shoes, and socks. Why? <laughs> they couldn't have gotten a fucking PDF for this? Props. I... Photo album filled with old photos. Could this be a shot from a movie or TV show where it's a joke about a porn script? Because that's the only thing I can think of. Uh, no, it appears to be- the description says that it is lying on the floor at a porn, porn film set in the San Fernando Valley. I do like that it does- it says that the guy isn't wearing underwear. Well, it doesn't say that the guy is wearing underwear, which <laughs> is- which tracks it. with my understanding yeah. of how pornos work. <laughs> yeah, he just loves to- that feeling of boner against denim <laughs> and zipper. Well, that's what Fifty that- Shades of Grey was all about. <laughs> There are people who want to see women's underwear, but no one wants to see men's underwear, right? Mm. It's all very utilitarian. Even when I'm purchasing underwear, I do not want to see yeah. it on a model. Unless it's that underwear. <laughs> unless it's that's that underwear that makes, Unless it's that underwear that makes your dick look like an elephant's trunk, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Novelty oh. underwear, that's the only underwear yeah. people want to see. That's the sexiest underwear I can think of. <laughs> The problem is, every underwear ad for men, like, it's designed in such a way that you can tell 100% if the man is circumcised or not. Oh, God. 
We don't need I, to do this. Like, I don't want underwear advertised to me that way. I Put love on. I love that Jeff is talking about this like he hates it, but then also knows way more details than I've ever noticed in an underwear yeah. ad. Yes, it's true. Because I have to look at the underwear to see I if I might want to wanna wear it. It's in quotation marks. I have to look at the underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I don't want to do this. I, I just... My dominant girlfriend is making me pretend to be gay, you guys. I'm yeah. really sorry. Yeah. Are the you, brand are you writing the brand this down? I... This could be another script. Yeah, this is the script for the brother porno. Uh, the brand that I do wear is sold on Amazon without being on a model at all. It's just like laying flat on a table. <laughs> Great. How to gauge your calorie breakdown on the daily plate. Now I that's some kind of app. Yeah, the Daily Plate is capitalized, meaning that that would be a site or an app or something. So why don't you just fucking go there and ask them how to do it? Because yeah. that's their business to tell you. Gauge your mm. calorie breakdown. What could that mean? Nobody knows. There's also how to gauge your exercise breakdown on the Daily Plate. Mm, that also doesn't mean anything. <laughs> how do you play? How do you play the Foggy Mountain Breakdown? Uh, is that you a need song? A jug. You need a big <laughs> brown jug. Half it is full. a song by the Foggy Mountain Boys. <laughs> you need to. You need a big brown jug half full of moonshine. Mm-hmm. Drink that moonshine to empty the jug. <laughs> yes. Now you're ready to play the song. You, you need a wash tub and a hammer and a nail. Yeah. Boy, the names of the people in this band is just like yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs. <laughs> Great. Uh, there's a couple things about how to treat or prevent a nervous breakdown, and buddy, if you have any answers, maybe you can write into the podcast and let me know. <laughs> we can't start crowdsourcing the answers to this. <laughs> That's to true. Um, We're you, the experts, Louisa, you and treat here's it. how you prevent a nervous breakdown. Just stop thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, take Probably a nap. Fine. If you're unconscious, you won't be able to have your thoughts. Mm. I think my nervous breakdowns mostly take the form of me getting so tired that I have to take a nap at 2pm. Have you considered playing Animal Crossing? I bet that would help with your nervous breakdown. It's it's Uh, certainly helping me have mine. (laughs) I've considered doing lots of things like playing video games or reading books, but every time I try to, my body's like, no, you need to sleep for two hours right now in the middle of the day during your free time. That sounds pretty good. I've been sleeping yeah, like that, four that hours sucks. a night. No! It sounds I like want that to Benjamin sleep. Franklin sleep schedule. Like. <laughs> he was a genius, right guys? Yeah, he invented keys, remember? He invented cheating on your wife and getting syphilis. So anyway. <laughs> he invented lightning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Um, anything else on here? How to do Breakdown from Fortnite. I assume that's a dance, and that <laughs> yeah. really does tie it all together. We already it. covered this! You, you're a kid, so you have nothing else to do, and you spend four hours doing it in front of your bedroom mirror. That's all. Mm-hmm. I looked up a gif of this dance, and boy, it's not any of the ones I've seen before. Oh no. Is it that, is it that very cool breakdancing move where you, like, spin around on your back, and then you end up laying, like, your uh, lounge singer on a piano? <laughs> I do uh, like that abs- one. <laughs> yeah, I do like that one as That's well. That's the best absolutely, dance. Absolutely none of the uh, Fortnite dances are cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. What if we... Okay, guys... Million dollar idea. We make a video game that's just Fortnite, but with good dances. Mm. I think that's called Dance Central. Wait. <laughs> You've been playing Dance Central extremely wrong. Yeah, no, I shoot all the guys in it until they're dead. <laughs> I've gone through 30 TVs so far this year, and it's still January. 
I was wondering if we could somehow make it cool for Tease to do all the dances from the novelty dances from the fifties that were cool, like the mashed potatoes. Those are. I think some. Of, I think some of the Fortnite dances are that. Yeah, I was gonna say those are at least as uh, credible as the Fortnite dances. Do you think that tweens playing Fortnite will think that this kind of dance is what people mean when they say dancing, and then they'll go to like prom, and no one's gonna know how to do anything except for teabag each other? <laughs> They are absolutely gonna uh, give themselves terrible feedback where they go, and somebody does a Fortnite dance, and everyone is fucking delighted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the Fortnite dances is the squatting down, kicking out uh, Russian dance, so... Mm. You gotta have powerful thighs to do that one. Yeah. And very Every- good balance. Yeah. Everybody in Fortnite is built like a Pixar mom, so... Well, yes, but what I mean in real mean? life, <laughs> it's going to be hard to do. What do you mean, what does that mean? They've got a like big a... dump truck ass and powerful thighs. <laughs> I guess I've never thought about the bodies of Pixar moms that much. Yeah. I don't know how you could avoid yeah. thinking about I it, also because The Incredibles is so horny. <laughs> That's true, but so many Pixar moms are just, like, a bug, or the, a fish. <laughs> Or the legs from a from Muppet Babies. No, I've always noticed this because I feel Muppet like Muppet Babies is a Pixar, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like Pixar was like, we don't want to do uh, weird Barbie bodies for these uh, female characters. We're progressive. We're going to do it right. So they just made them all pear shaped, and it's very weird, and I don't like it one bit. They didn't even try yeah. anything. They're just like, eh, we'll do this instead. I guess. I mean, the the <laughs> Incredibles mom just looks like a bowling pin, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy's mom is nice and plain looking, as far as I can tell. Although she is mostly legs in the first movie. I was going to say, I genuinely (laughs) thought that you never saw her body. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Anyway. We're done, right? What about Mrs. Potato Head? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, No, she's got a huge ass. (laughs) Well, she doesn't have any thighs, though. She just wears sneakers right on her ass. That's realistic body expectations for women Mm -hmm. right there. (laughs) Yeah, finally we're getting representation of different body types in film. <laughs> like a potato wearing sneakers. <laughs> we can all achieve that. That's very yes. good. Uh, so if you want to buy one of our potato wearing sneakers t-shirts, go to our merch page. Yeah. I would I would buy a t-shirt that just had the words potato wearing sneakers written on it. I think that would be good. Okay. No? Alright. Anyway, well thanks everyone for listening to the show. Uh, if you liked it, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends about it. We've just changed our format and this is a great time for new people to get on board. We only make the occasional reference to Mecca John Henry that you would need to listen back 200 episodes to understand. Most of the time we just talk about, uh, what's going on currently. So you don't need any knowledge of our history to listen. So please recommend us if you can. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at HackTheNetPod, uh, or you can join our Discord to talk to us. You just need to message us on Mastodon at MattHeron at Mastodon.online. I'm also on Mastodon, Mastodon.social slash at JeffJK, JeffJK on Snapchat and Instagram. You can find me on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. All right, gang. Well, that's another one. So now we've broken down how to do everything. So you can uh, take that and live your life and uh, come on back next week. But in the meantime, uh, please remember to keep your pockets on Shrek. Break it down and keep breaking it down. Do your job!